Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. On today's episode, we're talking about the expression, the customer is always right. Is the customer always right? We're going to break down that that saying, that motto, and what it means for your business. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in to the podcast today. I always like to say, you know, you could be checking out any number of podcaster, podcasts, or maybe you might even be a first-time podcaster venturing into the world of podcasting. Uh, thank you for joining me on your journey. Thanks for being part of, uh, you know, maybe you're driving home. Maybe you've finished a long day at work. Maybe you're listening to this episode and it's a Saturday morning and you're sipping your cup of coffee. I don't really know what you're doing, but I just want to tell you, hey, thank you for choosing this show to really accompany you on whatever you're doing today. So my name is Blake. I'm the host of the Good Advice podcast, host of the business Good Advice, and we're going to be teaching you some basics in business, some things that you can take and apply and use today that's hopefully going to take you a bit farther in your business and a bit further in what you envision for where the business is going to go. Now, having said that, uh, there's been quite a few things that are top of mind for me, and it's always interesting on the show because I never really know, it, I never really know how many people are repeat listeners and how many people are first-time listeners. And so sometimes what's typical for me on the show is I give a little update on the business, an update on the podcast. Um, you may not care at all about any of those things, but since I basically work alone, um, I don't have a massive team of people ever since I ventured into the world of entrepreneurship. Uh, and maybe this is like a whole separate episode, by the way, on how the, the journey of entrepreneurship can be incredibly lonely, uh, in the sense of now, you know, you were reporting maybe in a corporate environment, you had a team of people, you had a boss that you reported to check-ins that were happening on the weekly or however often, and now all of a sudden you're part of a small team or maybe you are working by yourself and now that social aspect is a bit strange and odd. So I think for me sometimes this part of the podcast is kind of euphoric for me because it's like I can really share with you, the listener, kind of what's going on with good advice. So having said that, uh, things are going really well with Good Advice. Um, we rolled out an advertising package for the podcast where, um, you know, for better or worse, you're going to start hearing some promo ads on the podcast, uh, which, you know, you may be like me where, you know, you get on YouTube and like there's a channel you have followed for forever. And one day you click on a video, like a new video, and there's an ad on it, like they've enabled ads. And you're like, no, how could you? You've sold out to the man. <laughs> Uh, so you may be feeling that way. You may also not care at all. I don't really know, but, um, just to kind of give you some perspective, the good advice podcast has grown tremendously in the last few years. Uh, we've had all sorts of amazing guests on the show. 
We've had um, just some really great episodes that have been um, meaningful, not just to me, to be able to share about some things that I'm really passionate about, but also for people, it's really special when you meet someone and maybe you're meeting someone for the first time and they're like, hey, by the way, I listened to your podcast or I listened to this episode and I really liked, and it's not like the generic, like, oh yeah, you have a podcast. It's like, hey, I listened to this episode on blank and when you gave this example, that was really I really resonated with that. Um, that's a really cool feeling. It's like, yeah, you're making an impact on people, not just uh, the people that you see and talk to every day. But uh, as an entrepreneur myself, as a business owner myself, um, the podcast has gotten to the point where now there is a real opportunity for it to be monetized, basically. And I don't know if that's like a dirty word <laughs> in some worlds, but um, yeah, there's an opportunity where basically what I just said, that we can um, basically take the value that we've created in the podcast and uh, turn that into like a monetary value. So people are looking at the podcast saying, hey, I see value in your podcast. And that's really exciting. So all that to say, um, in the near future, uh, certainly by the end of the year, you're going to start hearing um, short advertisements in the podcast. Um, they definitely won't be hokey. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't even know what to say about it other than just like it's going to be me being like, hey, check out this this product or service. What I will tell you is that um, nothing will ever be put in the podcast promo that isn't something that I personally agree with. Uh, and that's actually in general true for people who come on the show, by the way, is sometimes people want to come on the show and they have a certain lifestyle business that maybe I don't personally agree with. Um, and so I'll just kind of leave it to that. Um, you know, someone's like, Hey, I'm a drug dealer. I want to talk about my, you know, my, my giant enterprise. I'll be like, no, probably not. But, um, so anyone who I advertise on the podcast, I will have, um, uh, being, I will have like a general, like, yep, I've met this person. I know this person, or I'll at least know enough about them to promote their business. Um, and other than that, there's, there's really nothing else to it other than it's a great opportunity for good advice. And, and if, you know, if you've ever worked like in the nonprofit space, there's an expression that goes, it's basically like, um, without money, there's no mission. And, Money is an opportunity to make things happen. It's an opportunity to grow influence, grow impact. Uh, and that's what I'm passionate about with good advice. It's always been about the impact. It's always been about helping people in their businesses, um, in a way, helping transform businesses so that employees in those businesses aren't waking up on Sunday mornings thinking, oh, I have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, Monday morning, agonizing about getting in their car and going to the office. And I'm not talking about laziness, by the way. Like, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm talking about people who are trapped in such a toxic environment that they, they're they miserable. So expect that. Um, we're also hiring someone for social media. So you're going to be seeing more of our social media content. But um, I don't know. I feel like at this point, I'm kind of just rambling about updates. And you're probably thinking, like, I didn't click on this podcast to hear, like, the, the documentary on good advice. You probably clicked on it because you were thinking, hey, I, I I heard of this guy. I heard of this dude. I heard of the podcast. I want some real insights for my business. So let's just cut to the chase. Let's cut to that now that I've rambled endlessly for a few minutes. I want to talk about something that I sent out on my newsletter today. I have a newsletter that goes out every week. 
And it's just like, it's called This Week's Good Advice. And it's typically something that I've seen, talked to, someone I've talked to, a concept that I've uh, resonated with, something on social media that's popped up. And it's like, ooh, I have something interesting to say about that. So for example, um, there is a local restaurant, by the way, who my wife and I, last year, we went to, it was one of our favorite places to go. We went to it. Uh, I say it's a local restaurant. It's, it's a restaurant it's a food place here, but it's actually a national chain. So we go to it and there's a sign on the door that basically says, um, because of, because our manager left us with no supplies, we're closing early, early, or actually it says we're walking out. And I thought, yeah, that's why culture matters so much is we like to make it about these frou-frou frilly feelings but really, there's a direct tie between culture and the results of your business. So I saw that picture. I took a picture. I saw that uh, printout on the door. I took a picture of it, and that was what I wanted to talk about that week. So a lot of times when I'm putting out these episodes, there's something that's kind of riled me up a little bit that's gotten me passionate. And today's no different. Um, earlier this week, I was talking to... Uh, that's a separate story. Earlier this week, I was looking at uh, on social media... Someone had posted about all the different apps or technology that they were trying to leverage to validate a, a new product. It was a, a um, software that they were trying to validate. And if you're not familiar, like in the entrepreneurial space, or maybe you're newer to the, the entrepreneurial space, validity, if we're going to define that term, uh, you can basically think of it as your idea has merit. So if you have a valid, a valid idea, your product or your service has validity to it, it's implied to have the legs to actually create a successful business, to have a successful revenue stream attached to it. And so this person, <coughs> excuse me, this person basically posts and says, hey, I'm trying all these different apps and services, I'm leveraging technology to try to prove validity, um, you know, I'm, I'm running like my clicks, the people who are clicking on the website, people who are showing interest, and I'm collecting all this data, running it through different types of services to get an idea of, um, is this a business that's actually going to work? And it was kind of funny to me because I thought, man, this person's doing, uh, unfortunately, this person's doing, making the, the problem so much, the solution, excuse me, so much harder than it actually is. You know, when you think about creating something, I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everyone has an idea. You know, it doesn't take much to come up with a new idea. In fact, I have a friend of mine who always has a new idea, uh, which to his credit, many of them are actually really good. But having ideas isn't enough. Obviously, you and I both know that to take this idea into something meaningful, there's a practicality to it. There's an application side of it. Like, how do I actually start the business the next day? So when we talk about validity, it's an important question because no one wants to be the person who spent 50 grand starting a business that ultimately failed. No one wants to quit a job, a nine to five job, thinking I'm gonna go start my dream job, my, my, my dream company, and you know a year later they have to close down and go back into the job market. Like no one envisions that side of entrepreneurship. People, what they typically envision is four-hour work week, making millions of dollars. This is so easy. And what I will tell you is I have friends who've, who've started businesses who've become incredibly wealthy. Uh, I have a friend of mine who I was just talking to her yesterday. 
Her business started at $10 an hour. Uh, she's going to clear 400k in annual revenue this year. I mean, that, that is a life-changing sum of money, by the way, uh, which you may think like you have to be a millionaire to have your life change. It's not the case. I mean, 400k is life-changing for your business, for your life, excuse me. But um, even for the people who are successful in that regard, even they aren't, you know, sitting on the beach, um, sipping a drink out of a, a coconut, you know, whatever the, the typical stereotype is. Uh, running a business is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. And so understand that the answers to these problems aren't always so um, simple, but sometimes they are really simple. Sometimes they are really direct. And I think because we know the journey of entrepreneurship can be so challenging, it can cause us to overthink and overanalyze things that have a very clear answer right in front of us. So getting back to the point, this person posts and says, hey, I'm trying to evaluate the validity of my um, product, my, my app that I'm trying to do. What would you recommend? And immediately what came to mind was one simple answer. It's the number one answer for validity. It's the only answer that actually matters when it comes to answering the question of will people buy what I want to sell them? The answer to figuring out validity is talking to your customers. It's actually selling to your customers. It's actually getting out there, getting in front of people who you think would be your buyer and actually putting the product in front of them. Now you may be thinking, well, the product's not ready to sell to them. Okay, then you pre-sell them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell you this for when it releases uh, six months from now. Hey, let's get you in. Let's get a pre, let's, let's pre-sell you. Let's get an early membership. I mean, and this, this by, by the way, might sound crazy to you, might sound totally foreign to you. My gym, now that I think about it, my gym right up the street, it's a um, fitness one. And when they were building it, I remember you could, before they even built it, you could sign up for a grandfather type plan. It was like $30 a month. I think now maybe they're 40 or 50 or something, maybe even more, but it'd be a, a rate that would never change. You don't even see the space. Like the, it's not even built yet. You haven't toured it. You haven't seen what the place looks like. But my wife and I bought those plans and then I never used it naturally because, <laughs> you know, I've just embraced the dad bod. But that is an example of pre-selling. It's getting people to buy to show that there's merit. Now, something like Fitness One, they already have so much validity tested that for them, it's not like, are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? Uh, in their case, it's probably cash flow related. It's probably related to, um, you know, just building up the hype of the grand release, the grand opening. You know, you don't want to open a gym and no one's in the parking lot, obviously. But point being, you know, you can sell a product or service before it's even created or built. Um, I mean, think about the video game, uh, the video game uh, industry where video games are pre-sold. You can pre-order your game. I mean, think about, you know, I saw an ad for like a, a Marvel uh, game coming out. And like all these trailers end with, you know, pre-order your copy today. Uh, and, you know, now like the market's so interesting because it's like pre-order your copy to get your special in-game costume. You know, it's just, it's funny, like the little perks and things like the digital assets that get attached to 
you know, the game is $60, but for a hundred dollars, you can get this, but it's besides the point. All I'm saying is if, if your gut is telling you, there's no way I could pre-sell something, just know that it's already being done all over the place. And so you might have to reframe how you think about that topic. But point being, there's no simpler way to, to, to validate your idea than getting in front of people and asking them to buy from you. Then getting in front of people and asking them to trust that what you have is worth their dollar. To trust that you actually can and will solve their pain point, solve their problem, help them get from point A to point B faster than they would without you. That's, that, is, that is how you validate. And so all these other services, these other, I mean, I've even like, it's kind of funny, like in the startup world, in the startup world, there's um, pitch decks that talk endless, which if you, again, and I apologize, I don't know how, like the range of people who listen to the podcast, but you know, a pitch deck is basically, um, if you are a startup company, uh, there's sort of this stigma in the startup world of going from, uh, of launching a business to try to find funding uh, especially if you have an idea that you're going to scale quickly, you may not have the actual cash to scale it. And so in some cases, startups can go from being like entrepreneurial, innovative hubs to um, <laughs> pitch deck factories where they go from funder to funder to funder and they have these PowerPoint presentations where, hey, give me 30 minutes of your time and I'll tell you about why this business is going to be the next Apple or Amazon or what have you. So what can sometimes happen, and it's why so many startup founders end up getting frustrated and ultimately fail, is because they misunderstand this concept of validity. So what happens is a startup founder will go to a VC fund, um, will sit down with an investor, and they will say, the industry of, um, uh, I don't know. I should have had an example on, on hand. Um, the, the, the industry on vegan chili is, has grown 10,000% in the last four years. Uh, here's the three major producers of vegan chili and their market caps and you know, how much money they're making and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I don't know. This, this is like a totally random example, but Point being, what these people will do is they'll throw statistics at investors to imply you would be crazy not to invest in me. Um, you would be crazy not to uh, buy from me and this idea is going to work and let's do it. Uh, maybe even a better example, <laughs> startup founders will maybe go to a, a funder and say, hey, um, our, our at your door delivery service because of COVID so many people, this many, this many people are, are, um, are actually buying, uh, or placing this many orders. See, when you're attaching the stat to actual purchasing power, now you have an investor who's interested, who's listening because they understand that that shows actual merit, not, you know, all these exciting other statistics, statistics that people can jump on. It's why actually I encourage younger business owners, younger meaning uh, newer in business, not to create pitch decks around how amazing the industry is, but instead to get out there and sell your product or service 
even if it's grassroots, even if you're going to farmer's markets, even if you are, you know, jumping from networking event to networking event, because what's more meaningful, the fact that you can talk about how an industry is worth a billion dollars, which is just a, a intangible number, or to stand in front of someone and say, yeah, we've sold um, $10,000 worth of this product in the last year. I think we can sell 30,000 and I want you to help me do that. See, the latter is more interesting because you're showing that you have sold something that people want. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are hesitant to do this because ultimately it, it can become very um, awkward to get in front of a buyer. It can be uncomfortable to get in front of someone. And, and this, is, this is something that you just have to grow out of as a business owner is the fear of rejection. Like, because there's a couple of things attached to this. It's not just about confidence. It's not just about loving yourself and believing in yourself and knowing you have what it takes. That's part of it. Part of it is getting over the imposter syndrome and knowing that you have what it takes and someone's opinion of you doesn't discount the qualities you have, the character that you have, the strengths and amazing talents that belong to you. Like some of us, and, and I've been this person many times, it takes getting over that to really be the person that you want to be to advance your business. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about people who are so desperately um, passionate about their business idea that anyone who disagrees with them is wrong. It's like I had a guy who showed me a product and I said, you know, I just don't really know. I don't really see it. And he's like, well, you're not my, you're not my target customer anyway. And I was like, well, am I though? Cause you know, this is like a coffee product and I love coffee. I mean, am I your, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not your target customer. It beats me. So we're not just talking about ego. We're not just talking about insecurity, any of those things. A lot of business owners, they will, I've just found that a lot of business owners will do anything but get in front of their buyer, which is a bit ironic because on the same token, I think this is where we're a bit intellectually dishonest with ourselves because if we were to say, you know, if I was to go to someone and say, hey, if I could put you in front of 10 buyers, would you do it? Literally every business owner is going to say yes. So when I say we're intellectually dishonest, I think sometimes we're like, yes. I want, I want to make money. I want to sell my product, but on the same token, it's like I had a mentor once I had a boss who you would ask him what he thinks. And I remember him saying, Blake, do you want to hear what I think? Or do you want me to, do you want to hear me say something nice? And what he was ultimately doing was asking for permission to really tell me what I thought, what he thought. And he was giving me a moment to really self assess and think, do I really want that? It's like the friend who you have who goes to you for advice and you know that they don't really want advice. They just want encouragement. Uh, or the friends who <laughs> they say they really do want to know what you think, but you know they really don't because no matter what you say, you know they're going to do whatever they're going to do anyway, right? So all that to say, here's my advice to you for your business. If you're trying to launch something, if you're trying to grow something, Heck, if you launch something forever ago and you just have no momentum, 
my advice would be to get in front of as many buyers as possible and ask them what they think. Actual buyers, don't ask them, would you be interested in this? Would you buy this? Because people are overly kind. They're going to lie to you. They're going to say, yeah, of course I will. I had a, a, a company that I worked with, worked for, who it was like a women's entrepreneurial thing or women's leadership thing. And they asked a bunch of women in business, hey, would you be interested in joining this? It'd be like a fee-based membership thing. And it, like they got all this data that was like, yes, 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 yes. And then when they finally rolled it out, no one signed up. Like literally no one signed up because people were just being kind. They were just being polite. So don't just ask people like, is this cool to you? Would you like it? Would you maybe buy it? Because people are going to say yes. I mean, I've had that happen to me. Um, actually get in front of people, pitch them, say, hey, this is what I want to sell. Would you buy this from me? Not just would you, will you, will you buy this? And then when they say no, and you get the heartbreaking no, <laughs> uh, and maybe some people are more honest than others, I, I'd ask to push on you a little bit to press on them to get some feedback. So I had a guy one time who I was selling on a coaching contract. He told me no. And taking this concept further, I wanted feedback. And so I said, okay, help me understand. Is, is it about price? Is it about quality? Is it about outcomes? And he said, Blake, nothing personal, but it has nothing to do with price. And that was a clue in that I had not built trust in this product with this person. In my sales process, I hadn't communicated that I was the person he could trust to get him where he wanted to go. And that was an insight for me to go back, revise, and improve my process. You don't always get that when you just gloss over the, um, hey, do you want to buy this? Oh, yeah, let me talk to my spouse. Oh, I don't, you know, and you never talk to them again. But this is important because sometimes we just simply aren't as connected to our buyer as we think we are. Like we're on the other side of it. So I was meeting with someone yesterday who, um, runs like an in-home like service basically. And she's rolling out like a new product or service. And I basically said, she was like, you know, what do you think about this? And I said, well, you should ask your customers, ask your customers what they think. And if they seem to jump on it, great. And if they don't, then pitch it, you know, excuse me, ditch it and move on. You know, it's as simple as that. So all that to say, just try not to get in the weeds of this whole process. It's easy to get in the weeds. It's easy to overthink. It's easy to overanalyze when really it's not that complicated. Ask your buyers what they think and then take their, take their information, take their responses and start to think about those responses and let that inform your strategy. Um, circling back to like why I even mentioned this in the first place, you know, I kind of got a little bit off topic probably because it's a Friday afternoon and I'm fried. Um, my newsletter this week I talked about, is the customer always right? Is the customer always right? And the reason I wrote about this was because I saw someone in social media who said they were sick of this whole concept of the customer was always right. They felt abused by their customers. They felt like people were taking advantage of them, which probably isn't the case, by the way. I mean, I've been in business five years. I don't think I've ever felt taken advantage of. Um, I mean, there's been times where I felt like someone didn't pay me what they, what I was worth or they mooched on me for free advice. I mean, which is fine, but pretty rare that I've ever felt taken advantage of. 
Regardless, so this person's like, I feel like I hate this motto. It's made customers so um, egocentric and entitled, yada, yada. Uh, and I just remember reading that and thinking, you know, we don't say the customer is always right in the sense of we do literally everything for our customer. I mean, I had a customer who emailed me uh, yesterday who said, hey, I want to do this, 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 and this, and here's our budget. And the budget was way under what I would typically charge for all of those things. So the customer is, isn't, the customer is, is always right, isn't that, well, they know better than me, so I just, need to, I just need to take that amount of money and that's what I'm gonna do. No, it's, the, the customer is always right is referring to this concept of validity, which is your customers are right in letting you know the value of what you sell. So I'm launching a new product, I'm launching a new service. Does it have the value? I think it does. I can look at my own insight. I can go to my spouse or my mom or whoever who loves me and may give me a word of encouragement because they want to see me successful. Or I can go to my customer and trust their insight because 99% of the time, they're the ones who are going to be right in terms of their honest opinion of what I'm selling. That's where that comes from. May not have known that. Hey, I'm going to get out of your hair. It's a Friday afternoon. Wherever you're listening to this, whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And hey, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. So having said that, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash goodadvice. And also you can email me, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com uh, if you're interested in one of our advertising packages. So having said all that, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I so appreciate you. And I hope this has given you some good advice for the day. I'll catch you later. See ya.